schools in session. This is Recruiting Daily's Sourcing School Podcast. Real talk about recruiting, sourcing, and <clears throat> cyber sleuthing. Hot takes on sourcing tools, recruiting tech, and anything we want to talk about with no filter. It's time to level up and put your sourcing pants on. Here's your dudes, Ryan Leary and Brian Fink. Welcome to, no, it's not SportsCenter, it's Sourcing School with your host, (laughs) Ryan Leary and Brian Fink. Uh, We're really excited to bring you the guest that we've got today, Jackie Flake. Um, Before we bring on Jackie, though, I just want to check in with my boy, Ryan. It's been a while since we spoke. Ryan, what's going on in your world? How are the good things? It's been less than 24 hours, but it's all good. (laughs) It it, it has been less than 24 hours, but but in talent acquisition, things move at at light speed. Um, Speaking speaking of... I'm all good, man. There's a ton going on. It's end of the year. I'm ready to wind down. And it's early in December. We have HRTX tomorrow. So it's a bit, a bit hectic. It, it is a little hectic, but I think all that pressure is on Brooke. Brooke, if you're listening, we love you and we love you for everything that you do. We love everything that Ashley puts together with the program. And we couldn't do, Brooke, we could not do things without the help of your little brother, Scott. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> Scott's going to hate me for that. He's going to hate you for that. Speaking of Scott, so have you used the open uh, the the uh, open AI chat the GPT have you okay. played with that yet okay so this is this is big news for everybody and I'm gonna it no I haven't oh my god so, it's insane I've been playing so, with it all morning okay so here's where I'm scared of it is that um I like to think that when it comes to writing bullion that there are five people in the world who are like the sickest at writing bullion okay um and I think Glenn Kathy should be threatened. I totally think he should be threatened. Like he, Eric Jaquith, um, uh, they they should feel they should feel threatened because like uh, Mike Wolford uh, showed off um, its interview abilities, and then uh-huh. Adam Kovacs, who is also in that top five, um, he he showed it off on LinkedIn and showed how it was building a string, and I was yep. really blown away. And it's insane. I'm, we we've been we've been playing with it all morning. Well, okay, I've been playing with it all morning. After somebody said you got to check it out, I'll, all right, I'll check it out. We've written stories already. We and when you mentioned Scott, and he'll, <laughs> I guess we'll have to share him share the story with him after the episode because he'll edit the episode and then he's gonna want to know what we're talking about. We wrote a love story with Scott as the main character, and I gotta tell you, that story was badass. It was dead on. It was it was really cool. It I felt like I was reading a book. Okay, I fell in right. love with his character. Okay, so since I'm only reading like either really really long books because that's you know my <laughs> my purview, or I'm reading stories that can be told to Maddie in like you know ten minutes or less. Um, where would you say that it fell more of it the Maddie story? Five, Maddie it was five hundred words. That's awesome. That's terrific. Yeah. I will yeah. I will I will play with Open uh, GPT. Yeah. AI today. Um, speaking of playing with different things, um, I know that we have got up on the Recruiting Daily uh, website, we've got a list of events that are coming up, not just HRTX, but but we do have an announcement about that. Um, we've got a series of events that we're highlighting that are coming up, like Talent Acquisition Week, where you'll be able mm-hmm. to see me, you'll be able to see Batman, you'll be able to see a lot of other people. 
Uh, Craig Fisher will be there. Um, just, you know, exciting events that are coming up. But we've also got some things that are kind of unique that are on the schedule, like Transform 2023 in Las Vegas in March. Um, that kind of caught my eye. Mm-hmm. The Work Human event, uh, April 17th, with really Work great human. speakers. If you haven't Work- been to one, Work Human is badass. It is, it is definitely one to get to. Okay. All right. I will, yep. I will, I will see you in San Diego. Um, yep. Lovely San Diego. Um, Ryan, yeah, is I, there any, you said that. I will not be at talent week or talent week, talent acquisition week. I will not be there. I will be fishing. Sorry. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I will be ice fishing in, in, uh, where's the baseball hall of fame again? I keep forgetting that. You're asking me about a sport other than college football. Uh, <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. Anyway, we have a guest on the show today. We, we do have a guest. We have we have quite a guest. Um, first off, uh, about our guest that we have with us today, uh, I've already announced that it's Jackie Flake. But real quick, um, I want to kind of I want to kind of jump into this and and explain to you guys who Jackie is and a little bit about what Jackie does. Um, I did not know Jackie the recruiter um, when I made my first phone call to Jackie some eight to nine years ago when I was uh, recruiting at Cabbage is I was looking for somebody to come in and be a badass product leader in our space. Um, And Jackie turned me down, um, but she, she did turn me up for the, for the, uh, for the podcast today. Um, We were just a little far apart on a few things is that uh, so it was, we couldn't come to an agreement on things that need, that are important. Um, What I would say about important though, is that Jackie has really rocket shipped her career and in a very unique purview. She's gone um, being that product leader, and she is an instrumental product leader in any community that she touches, whether it's Product Camp here in Atlanta, which is free to join and free to participate in, or through the services that her team, Option One, provides. That they provide um, both the strategy, consultation on product, and they provide the unique feature of having somebody like Jackie say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" Before you hire that product person, we might be able to, we might know somebody in our network that we might be able to pair you up with. Um, beyond that, um, I also want to point out that Jackie is a 40 under 40 recipient of the Atlanta Business Chronicles um, 40 under 40 award. Um, beyond that, she is also a dynamic spouse and a mother. And uh, we're really pleased that she's on the pro. I, I, Ryan's like, he said mother. <laughs> this is where uh, it goes. <laughs> yeah, this is where it goes. Um, Jackie, welcome to the program. Welcome to Recruiting Daily's Sourcing School podcast. Thank you. Thanks, guys. I'm really excited to be here and talk to you today. You've got a lot to live up to with that intro. I sure do. I'm a little <laughs> nervous over here. <laughs> so, Jackie, maybe a, a place for us to get started and to calm some of those nerves is tell us a little bit about going from being a product leader to being a two-time entrepreneur. Or is, or is that too much to kind of bite off in the first question? No, it's all good. Um I guess my journey is kind of around uh, my my career. I fell into product management and then um, started getting laid off for reasons out of my control. Um, and I just kind of realized that I wanted to take my destiny into my own hands and make sure I was in the driver's seat regarding my career and my opportunity for growth. So uh, launched uh, Option One Partners a little over five years ago. 
that's interesting. You you took it into your own hands, but with option one, was it always going to be focused on staffing or is that just something that kind of happened? Well, um, the way it started is we had a sales opportunity um, and I had um, some business partners at the time. And so the sales opportunity was a consulting engagement, which kicked off our um, our our business. And because my business partner has a background in recruiting, we decided that marrying both the consulting arm with uh, staffing and recruiting would make a lot of sense and, and enable us to support our clients in a much greater way. So that's why we've married the two services. Awesome. Um, makes me wonder a little bit, you know, there's tech layoffs spiked in November, according to layoffs FYI. Um, with about 25,000 people let go in the first half of November, um, comparing to like 12,000 in October, you were laid off multiple times. What advice would you give to somebody who is maybe going through their second layoff in one year? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it's hard. And I think we all have to remember that there's definitely an emotional component that comes with a layoff in addition to the strain of the financial piece of it. Um but I think what I've always told people in terms of layoffs is that the best is yet to come. You know, chapters have ended, but your next step should be the next best step and things will only get better. And you'll look back on the time that you thought was very low point in your life and you'll realize that was a stepping stone in my career and that things can only get better from here. Yeah. So, so to that, um, who do you who do you model your career after? Because like it, that sounded very Sarah Blakely, right? Like and, <laughs> and, and you know, being from Atlanta, that's uh, she's a she's an Atlanta hero. But like, who do you model that? Who do you model that after? Oh yeah, Sarah's awesome. Um, I don't know. You know, I never set out to be an entrepreneur. I wasn't one of those you know kids growing up selling things door to door or anything. I never envisioned myself being a company founder, I feel like I kind of fell into it, but now I would never do anything different. I think I've really risen to the challenges and the opportunity. And, um, I love kind of creating my own destiny now. Love it. And I love how you own that destiny. Um, one of the other things that I would, that I would kind of tap into is you talk about consultative services and the advice or experience that your partner had in sourcing and in recruiting. How does one marry consulting to recruiting? Like, yeah. I always feel like consultants want to sell services, not necessarily people. Right. Is that weird? Yeah. 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 It can get very blurry at times. Um, the way we approach things is, you know, a lot of times people will come to us and they say, I need a software developer or I need a product manager. And so the consultative piece of it is understanding what the problem actually is. Because sometimes maybe you're not just the solution is not to fill it with a body or a skill set. Maybe it is to coach up the teams and help them get better from, you know, an agile perspective or maybe some training and product. Um, so really it's kind of understanding what the problem is before throwing a solution at it. And that's kind of how we've been able to um, support our clients in from both capacities, whether we're leading with consulting or um, staffing in terms of going in on a consulting project and understanding there's some gaps here that you'll need to fill with XYZ roles. And then we can support from a staffing perspective. So it kind of goes both ways. Jackie, I got a question for you. So a, a lot of the 
a lot of the clients that we work with here, we work with them. Uh, we consult with them on a, lo a lot of strategy stuff, digital strategy, and that has changed the last mm -hmm. couple of years. That is that has changed enormously. You spend a lot of time in this space. What are you seeing going into the next couple of years um, that companies or businesses need to focus on uh, in digital? Yeah, I think what's really important is for companies, especially in the technology space, is to be product-focused and product-led instead of sales-led, which is traditionally how a lot of companies start off, right? Someone sells something um, and it's built custom for a customer and then they try to bolt on technology on top of that. And then all of a sudden, we're a sales-led organization. Um, however, in order to scale and experience tremendous growth, companies need to have a product-led and a product-first um, mindset over sales so that sales and product are partnering together instead of sales going and selling whatever they want and expecting product and technology to support that. How do you advise somebody when it comes to scaling? When it comes to scaling? Yeah. Like, I mean, you're talking about being product led, but also like there's the people component. Like, how do you, how do you balance one with the other or do you balance or, 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 or how should scaling be done? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's hard. I mean, people, companies do it differently, right? Like there's growth by acquisition or, or organic growth where you're hiring internally, internal teams. Um, it just kind of depends on, I think the corporate strategy and everything starts at that level and kind of how they want to grow is, you know, but I do think in terms of scaling, if it is through acquisition, then you have to be very intentional about, um, you know, marrying technology together and then looking at synergies when you are marrying companies together and making sure you're, um, you know, ensuring that the culture also maintains what it used to be because people tend to flee when there's acquisitions, right, or mergers. Um, so that can be a really important component of it as well. Does employee brand play any role in that? Because like, I'm thinking about core values of an organization. If you talk about mergers, you have different core values. If you talk about a product, like when I think of a great product, I love Grammarly. It's a you know free add-on, free extension. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think any recruiter should be without it. Um, but like, I think about the culture that they perpetuate, that they want you to be a better writer. They want you, right? So like, I'm just wondering, do the do, how does the product is the, is the product a reflection of the company's values or are the company's values a reflection of the product? Great question. I think it could go either way, but I think the employee branding is huge because every touch point that a customer has with your company, which is your product, should be should match the values and the vision you set for your company. Um, like, for example, I had a phone call with uh, Disney customer service a few weeks ago because I just took my family to Disney. I just and... saw that posting. Yeah. <laughs> that is yeah, an amazing, definitely. amazing post. I, I copied that out to ask that question later, but. Oh, nice. Because that is yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. At the end of the call, I took a brief survey and it was the typical customer service survey questions. But the last question was. Um, if you were a business owner, would you hire this cast member, the customer service person I spoke with, would you hire them on your team? And I thought, what a great way that we should be thinking about how frontline people should be serving our customers. And Disney has done that in a way that every touch point anyone has with their company or their products and services, they want to emulate their company strategy and vision. 
So, hey, Jackie, I noticed your burn board or your Kanban board behind you. For those of you who are listening to it, we don't have a video a video version yet, but it might be coming around the corner. Who knows, right? It could be. Um, Jackie, you've got your Kanban board behind you. Can you are you doing agile or scrum recruiting? Like just wondering if you're familiar with that at all, like kind of putting more recruiters on one thing that's the highest priority or, or another. Yes, exactly. Well, first of all, um, we, you know, I want to show integrity in my business. So because we coach around agile, uh, best practices and we believe in that, of course, I'm going to run my business in the same way. So I do have a Kanban board behind me, um, in terms of recruiting. Yes, we do prioritize, um, roles we're working on. We prioritize candidates and we swarm, so to speak, specific roles, roles that have higher priorities and candidates as well. What does it mean to swarm? Yeah, swarm is a, a technology term that we use within um, the agile space, but really it just means kind of all heads down focused on one thing just to get the greatest value and um, delivery out of that one thing. You mentioned a word that I was going to ask a question about earlier. Is it like Jackie? I mean, that I was going to ask a question about later, but I'm going to ask it now. Is it Jackie? You've got so many different moving pieces of the business. And a question that we get from recruiters all the time is, how do you focus on one thing to make sure you're hitting those deliverables? How do you do it? You know, it's interesting because when I coach teams and I talk about working as a software developer versus as a product person, you know, as a product person, we want to keep our software developers, we want to keep them focused because they're problem solvers in a very unique way and pulling them out of something and removing their focus can be detrimental to their progress. However, as product people, we're expected to wear a lot of hats and we're expected to be um, doing a lot of things. And while we can't always, you know, be everything to everyone, we do have to juggle a lot of things. But I think prioritizing your work um, and like I have behind me a Kanban board where I've got a prioritized list of things that I need to work on and knocking one thing out at a time. And if I have something that's stalled or something that needs further insight needs questions answered needs to come back to i mark it as waiting and i have a waiting column behind me and that means that it's in progress but yet it can't it's blocked for whatever reason and i also write down the reason of why it's blocked in case you know i need to come back to it and that's how i coach my teams to work as well and that's how i coach my clients to work and it can be really helpful in terms of bringing transparency and visibility into what you're working on and then equally as important what you're not working on I've got two questions for you. One is about the board. Why on a board still? Why not digital? Or do you do both? Yeah, you know, for me personally, we have a digital tool that we use for recruiting. And that is the source of truth. And that's what I tell my team. That is where we live and die every single day. But for me, having a physical radiator is really important because I can just look at it quickly. I don't have to pull mm. something up online. And back in the day when we lived in the office spaces, I would also coach teams to put up physical information radio radiators, such as Kanban boards, and we'd gather in front of them every single day and we'd discuss the work for each day, whether it's scrum teams or it's my recruiters, we would look at all the roles, look at all the candidates, and then talk about them and prioritize them. And then it also ensure that the digital tool is updated, but nothing, you know, replaces a physical something to look at because think about it if you're big in a big corporate office and you've got execs walking by well now all of a sudden we've brought the work into a visible space where people can see where things are at 
you know, we're not trying to hide what we're working on, but now we're bringing visibility and transparency into the work and anyone can walk by and see where something is at or isn't. Hey, Jackie, one of the other things that I'm wondering is, you know, you live at the intersection of product entrepreneurism and recruiting. How would you advise a startup client to get started with the recruiting process? Well, first of all, you know, just want to understand kind of their company strategy, vision and goals, because, you know, we would need to be able to support that based on kind of like their culture goals and everything and just kind of understand um, how they want to grow and how we might best support them in their growth and just walking them through things that are important to keep in mind when you are working with recruiters, like communication quick feedback loops, things like that, that are not going to be top of mind for them. But yet, you know, I've got my team over here hustling to find good candidates. And it's important that we don't lose those candidates or lose momentum so that, you know, just reminding startup clients that this is kind of the way of the world and how this works. And we can only be successful together if we partner together on these initiatives. For those that are listening, what would you list as maybe best practices for recruitment process for product roles? You know, because my background is product and I've worked with a lot of other technical roles in my career, I think it makes sense to bring in a subject matter expert to be another layer of screening. And what I mean by that is I can speak to a developer and screen them and not that I'm screening them for their ability to write code because I have no idea how to do that. But I know as a product manager, the type of developer that I want to work with. So I want to work with someone that's highly communicative. I want to work with someone that doesn't make me feel stupid for asking technical questions that I don't know the answer to. So I can screen for those types of soft skills in a in a software developer, whereas maybe someone that hasn't worked with one on the day-to-day job would not know to ask. And then same thing with product people and scrum masters. I would just kind of I just kind of screen in the way where I would want to work to them if I were on their team as their product manager. Awesome. Hey, Jackie, I want to ask you a different question. We've never tried this before. So for those of you who are listening and you're like, Brian's going off script here, Jackie is not aware of what I'm going to say either. Um, Jackie, I've always thought that it would be interesting in the conversation if you, the guest, had an opportunity to ask us a question. And have Ryan and I kind of hash that out, maybe a problem that you're facing or maybe a problem that you think your peers are facing and how we would go about solving that. Is there anything top of mind that maybe we can help with? Mm, I love that. I would love your help. This is great. I can't promise it'll be a good answer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, what we found in the last couple of years is that candidates are expecting remote opportunities. And now that the world is kind of going back to more of a hybrid model, companies are expecting candidate or you know hires to go in a couple of days a week. We're finding that candidates are pushing back on that quite a bit. So I would love uh, your perspectives and your advice on how to talk candidates through that and or coach clients through that. That's a great question. Um, so first off, I would say that going back to the office or working a hybrid schedule is something that's meant there to evoke part of the culture, whether it's a culture of collaboration and that they feel that online tools don't provide that real collaboration. It's just like we're talking about this tactile burn board or um, a scrum Kanban board behind Jackie is that, you know, it could be digital, right? And it serves its purposes as a digital instrument. But really when you have people having those drive-bys in the office, 
if they are cut from the same cloth, there's going to be that germination of ideas. There's going to be that uh, opportunity for them to really kind of reach out and to engage with one another. I also like to advise anybody that is considering a return to office, uh, return to office methodology or program that what they do is that they try it before they buy into it. And the example I would use is you look at Apple Computer. Apple Computer was one of the very first companies to say, hey, everybody's coming back in February. It's December, and they're still kind of pushing back on that. They're testing it. There are organizations that say, let's get everybody together for lunch, right? And let's start there and start with the return to office around a lunch meeting so that everybody has that collateral buy-in. They all, There's also something special or magical that happens when you're breaking bread. Hats off to Garrett, who was uh, is our office manager for Twitter here in Atlanta. Um, as they were starting to think that we were going to do RTO, Garrett started to organize lunches and breakfasts, um, really good breakfasts, might I add, um, for people to come into the office on Wednesday. Um, and then, you know, things did shift quite uh, quite quickly, but that was something that he was doing like five to six weeks before an RTO order came down. So I'd recommend those types of activities. And I'd also ask people, what did they want in exchange for coming into the office, right? Is it they need to be able to leave at four o'clock in the afternoon so they can go pick up uh, their son or their daughter from school and take them to uh, a soccer game? Those are some of the things that I would that I would put out there when advising that client and and ask what are they trying to accomplish so that you can make sure that the individuals that they're bringing on board are going to be like minded as well as bringing diverse opinions about what could work. I think people want to get back into the office and I, and I know we're going to get blowback for this, but I, I like, Oh, it fire to, it up, brother. Fire it up. <laughs> I like it. It's to the gym membership, right? Like everybody wants to go to the gym. They buy the gym membership and then they don't use it and they just pay it. Right. It's like, they just need to get off the couch and get to the gym. Once they get to the gym, they're addicted and they got 12 months of going to the gym and killing it and eating, eating good and feeling good and, and feeling like they're, they own the world. I think once people get back into the office, they're going to like it. Like they like like the board behind Jackie. I know people can't see it, but the board behind Jackie, yeah, it was invigorating to come into an office and sit there with 15 people in my group and run through those boards in the IBM days, right? Like we that's what we did. And you felt good about all of that and you felt accomplished. I think there's a lack of that feeling of accomplishment or achievement in work at home. Personally, I've been at home since... I don't know, 2009 or 10, something like that. So, I mean, I don't even know what it's like to go into an office. <clears throat> we have an office. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, wait, time out, time out, time out. All right, hold on. You've been work from home for 11 yeah. years, for a decade plus. Yeah. You're, But you're saying that people who don't go to the office are lazy. Not well. Let me. Those that always rewind the tape. Rewind the tape. Somebody (laughs) rewind. Edit all those people for the for everyone that's worked in an office that were forced to them work at home. Now they got a taste of it, and they don't want to go back into the office. They fell into a a rhythm of getting up, doing a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and then work. And some people handle it beautifully. Like we're we're almost we are a hundred percent remote here. At recruiting daily, right? Everybody's from and everyone does fantastic. They kill it. But there, those that aren't used to it, it takes time to adjust. And within these last three years, 
I don't know that everyone's adjusted, at least not for every type of role that's out there. Oof. All right. So I got so many thoughts about this. He's going to disagree like, with me here. <laughs> hey, look, like, like this was, I mean, this, I mean, everything we do is unscripted, but this is, this is freaking awesome. Um, all right. So real quick, I want to go back to something I said to Jackie. Um, and, and maybe I didn't say it like with a highlighter, but I want to be, I want to highlight it and see, say, be compassionate with yourself and with others. See, see what the, what the gist is because the shift to home working was so sudden. I mean, like I remember being at rent path and we thought we were going home for two weeks to flatten the curve. Um, that kind of change um, for some people was psychologically jarring and therefore negative for people. Um, so I agree with Ryan. There are people who do want to go back to the office. What's more though, is I think that this shift was combined with uncertainty about the future. I think that people were worried about losing their autonomy and their connection that came with the lockdown. And I think that people like Ryan suggested about going to the gym, they want that human connection while I still articulate that they want that autonomy and they want that freedom. There's a big, there's a big thing though, like that weighs on my chest is that whenever I hear anybody say I need autonomy and freedom is I feel like they live out, leave out the word responsibility. And I think that you've got to be responsible to the organization that you work for, that it's a give and take relationship. Um, yeah. So that, I think that's a, I think Jackie, let me, let me ask this, like, uh, and I'll flip it around is that how, how are your clients or, or how are you uh, bridging the divide with people who say there's no bar, there's no conversation. I'm work from home exclusively. How are you, how are you tackling that? Because I mean, I've got to imagine that's really hard as a third party. Yeah, it's tough. And, you know, we live in Atlanta, so we are very aware of the commute situation and traffic is worse than it ever has been. And so, you know, trying to be compassionate to that, you know, is what we have to do. But at the end of the day, we don't control the the client situation. So, you know, if someone just absolutely will not go back to the office, then we just have to understand that up front and make sure that we are very clear on the client's expectations and we're very clear on the candidate's wishes so that those two things can align. Because at the end of the day, even if someone is going to make a lot more money, but won't go into the office, then it's just not going to work. And so we're not going to try to sell something to a candidate or to our clients that is not going to be a good match at the end of the day. Makes sense. Makes sense. Jackie, any parting thoughts for our audience, for our, for our teams that are joining us from around the world? Oh my God, around the world. That's exciting. Oh yeah. I mean, dude, like, we, like we've <laughs> got a really strong contingency in South Africa. We've got a strong contingency in India, uh, in Bangalore. Um, yeah. So any, any parting thoughts, any last things that you, that you want to lay out on the table? Um, I would just say for, you know, the recruiting industry in itself, I think it gets a bad rap because we tend to throw resumes over the fence to our clients. So I think just approaching the recruiting industry from more of a quality perspective than quantity will always set you apart with your customers. Oh man, that means it's over. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at recruitingdaily.com.